0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with the long road. This episode, it's time for an intervention. The Bishop, that's me, I staged an intervention this week. Dangerous levels of musical instrument addiction, not yet recognised by the WHO, but the the struggle is real, feature in the long road. Uh, We take a slightly different route this week, talking shop about all things instrument. Kev takes us to a record store out in the beautiful English countryside, and Steve Bonham declares something's got to change. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. And if those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden. Somehow it's the middle of September and we're on to episode 36. Uh, thanks for sticking with us if you've been with us for a while, uh, and welcome if you're just joining us this week for the first time. A few quick reminders, you know, parish notices if you like. Um, huge thanks to everybody for supporting our latest single release. It's called On a Bridge Across the River. Loads of positive feedback, uh, and so please do keep on playing it on Spotify and Apple Music, etc. Uh, if you feel so inclined, maybe even splash out the uh, 79P on iTunes to buy it. Uh, and don't forget there's a YouTube video as well. So on a bridge across the river, do check it out. Don't forget about our new YouTube show as well. Uh, the Transatlantic Connection Show is at youtube.com slash thevagabondway. Episode 2, which has just come out, features a great singer songwriter called Mal McWatt uh, and live music manager and fan Graham Steele. So do check that out. Episode 3 will be out on Tuesday, the 29th of September 2020. i mean that's me steve bonham and kev moore the long road Uh, we also have our curated playlists on spotify just search for transatlantic connection and you should find them and find some music to enjoy okay so time to get on with the show First up is, we hope, a little bit of light relief, just a silly chat that Steve, Kev and I had a few weeks back talking about our instruments and the bits of gear that we've ended up purchasing over the years. Now I I should warn, this conversation reaches sort of Monty Python levels of absurdity around the the quantity, uh, the reasoning for purchasing and construction of all these instruments. So just brace yourselves. Okay, time to hand over to, uh, well, myself. Here we are again. So the three of us: Steve Bonham, Kev Moore, uh, and Christopher Lydon. Steve's at home in Derbyshire. Kev at home in Spain, and I'm at home in, in Manchester. Now I've got something to tell you guys. I'm afraid it's time for an intervention. Okay. Because I, you know, as as you know, Steve very bravely admitted on the podcast a few months ago about his six-string addiction, which I'm afraid sounds like it's doubled because he's <laughs> accidentally got himself a 12-string guitar quite out of nowhere. Um, Kev sounds like he's just ordered some uh, accessories for his guitars which n- number in the triple figures which we need to talk about. So, instruments, <laughs> chaps, what is going on? You you guys, between you, have more instruments than there are <laughs> p- the population of some small countries. <laughs> Tell, t- what's going on? Go okay. Steve. You go first. Oh, okay. Oh dear, Winfrey. I'll on my see. hands here, thinking as I, as
1: better... I gaze,
2: as I gaze around my studio. I, I I instantly go into double figures, which is most shameful. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I play various instruments. I've, I've just realised, of course, sat in front of me is my um, my role and workstation, so I also have a piano, which is <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've got. Uh, many different bass guitars, and uh, for a long time, I did manage to convince, perhaps not others, but myself, that everyone served a particularly different function. Um, <laughs> but it's getting harder to get away with that now. <laughs> I mean, I I have a five-string Fernandez bass, I have a five-string Music Man bass, I have a four-string Music Man bass. I have uh, a semi-acoustic Dan Electro Longhorn. I have a, a solid Dan Electro Longhorn with coated strings, so that's different. And I have an eight-string <laughs> eight, eight Gibson Les Paul bass, which doesn't actually exist. I, I can't even begin to tell you why it, why I have one, but it's it's not a thing, right. but I've got one. Wow. Yeah. And then I've got my, my boutique guitars, my uh, um uh, fretless, which was built by a hippie in North Carolina. <laughs> and, uh, that's that's an amazing piece of wood. It really is. And uh, and then I've got my studiously built uh, Sorensen base which was made by a, a Danish luthier called Finn Sorensen. They're things of beauty, but they're the tools of my trade. What can I tell you? I need them. That's just the bases. <laughs> I have to challenge the tools of the trade because I used to,
1: I used to for years and years and years. I had a really good six-string guitar, Fender Strat, and I had a fantastic uh, Yamaha acoustic guitar. Mm. And that's all I needed for most twenty twenty odd years, you know. Yeah. But then I fell over the cliff, <laughs> and I don't know what's happening now. I, I need help. All my instruments are kept upstairs, and I'm sitting downstairs, so my not-upstairs instruments were from where I look is uh, a, a sittern built by Fiald, absolutely beautiful instrument. Oh yes, a um, A uh, lovely blue sil- uh, semi-acoustic guitar, an arch top by um, Avenue Five, a maton Australian guitar. Um, and if you went down into my hall, you'd fall over a mandolin um, and a <laughs> bazooki. So, and that's not starting upstairs. So, I, I don't know what happened really.
0: Weren't actually many guitars listed there, were there? That was all other... No,
1: no, 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 no. My time was acoustic guitar, yeah.
0: Oh, OK, the fine. One guitar, guitar but I know, I know for a fact you have more than that guitar. No, no, I have loads. <laughs> and, and, and
2: one of the strange realisations, though, isn't it, is that, like now, I've got loads of acoustic guitars. This is your fault, Steve, that uh. I have loads of acoustic <laughs> guitars. But, you know, the one that I, I play the most and... The one that's on all the recordings is my, my old vintage six string, which was the cheapest guitar I ever bought. Yeah. yeah, You know, I paid about 80 quid for it, and that came with a, a Gator case, which was worth 80 quid. So, yeah. and it's, but it's still my favourite guitar to play acoustically. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it sounds amazing. It's yeah. noisy as hell, but it's a fantastic tone. And that's the trouble. I mean, there's two things going on here. One is, like any form of addiction, it breeds self-justification. Uh, you know, an unhinged self-justification. There's always a yeah. reason, you know. Always. And I have to be honest and say, weirdly, plain lying. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. I mean, you feel you've got to tell someone why this thing's arrived, and it's always because it's unique or distinctive, or you know, you're helping a mate out or whatever it was. You can't really own up the fact it's like my blood sugar levels would have collapsed if I hadn't bought it or anything like that. you know. But the other thing about them, and probably the positive reason, is like your guitar, Kev. There's this kind of mythological... You can pay a lot of money for a a guitar and it can be very good. You can pay uh, not very much money for a guitar, it can be complete crap... But in you know out there, like, you know, the perfect Winchester or the, or, or the yeah. Nugget of Gold, there is a guitar, because each one is unique, which is special. And it's like yeah. uh, Dave Dave Rawlins uh, um, in, in, over in the States, uh, who plays with um, Gillian Welch. A, a fantastic guitarist and, and, a, and a really, really brilliant musician. He plays this guitar, this archback old guitar, which I think has no value at all for me. But the sound is astonishing, and, and 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 you can hear it. It's totally distinctive. That's me reason. That's but there I go justifying there again. You, you go. know, justifying. <laughs> you see, it just takes you over. Help!
0: <laughs> but I think I I I think the point that you've made before in the past, Steve, is that actually you're a very physical songwriter, and in, in as much as things don't. Always start with just one thing or the other. It's yeah. not just a lyric, or it's not just a chord pattern. Yeah, they're often yeah. the same. They're often two sort of sides of the same coin for you, and they gradually merge and interact with each other. And you'll you'll sit there with a the little thing, and you'll come up with a. Your fingers will accidentally make a shape, and you'll play something. You go ah, there's a there's a new life form crawling out of this particular uh, instrument, and that life form speaks to you about lyrics in a certain yeah, way, yeah. and you follow that up, and you follow your. Instincts. It's like a you know, like a medieval incantation or whatever. It starts to draw itself out of the instrument.
2: It's alchemy. I remember having a conversation with my friend in um, in the states, Manda Mosher, and, and she's um, a, a great uh, Americana exponent and a great band, Calico Band. And uh, we were speaking about uh, something you touched upon recently, Steve, as well. That that you know, our instrument. That there are songs within our instruments waiting to be released. Mm. And I, I really do feel that. It sounds no. crazy, but it's just true.
1: I think if you're into song like We're All Into Writing, mm. there's that feeling that, you know, it's the grit that starts what you hope is going to create a pull all the time, in it? You, yeah. you mm. just need that thing. You go, oh, that, that, that sounds different. None of us yeah. write to formulas. No, yeah. I wish you did occasionally, Kev, because it would be much... <laughs> he, 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 right a-
0: back at you, Steve. Right yeah. back at you. Yeah. He, a- I'd love there to be a song that didn't Ma- have a single Ma- half-bar Ma- Every in.
1: anarchist like me ends up thinking, what the <laughs> f*** is going on here? <laughs> I mean, yes. I have spent wasted hours of my life trying to recover the c fifth that you play on Ballad of Duane and Billy Marie. <laughs> oh, but God. I think it's absolutely specific to the guitar you played on it doesn't
2: sound right on anything i've got i've written three three songs in quick succession on on my Twelve string that I got recently, you know it, it's. Oh, so you've play. got a twelve string recently? Oh. as well it's spreading. Oh my god! Of course, god. what? Of course. The, me-
0: the media's got the wrong <coughs> infection on their headlines here. It's twelve string. What am I going to get next? A, t- a twelve valve tuba? What 12, twelve valve <laughs> Is that such a beast? You guys have very bravely admitted your addictions, and it's uh, and I, all support to you. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I could, I would have a lot more tubers than I do. Yeah, right, uh, yes. right, right, right. Now I have one tuber and I've owned that tuber for I think I've just passed its twenty year anniversary i think i got it in the summer of summer of 2000 so uh, i've had it 20 years Um, and it's probably the only tuba i'll ever i'll ever own if anything if anything happened to to that particular instrument i would be absolutely inconsolable it would be it's it is it is part of me and and i don't know when that happened because there was one time there was a time when it was a shiny new instrument and Mm. it felt very other but yeah. now it is is—it is. Uh, there's a point when they, when they
2: play in. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and, and if anything happened to it, if it was stolen or if it got damaged or whatever, I would be, it would be very, very hard for me to re- recover from that. Uh, I, think, I, I think I've just hit on one of the reasons of the addiction as well, by the way,
2: chaps. Uh, when I was a young struggling musician, uh, if I wanted a new guitar, which I always did, I would always have to sell one, yeah. get another yeah. one. And there's so many that I've regretted passing through my hands and not got back. And I'm in the process of sourcing uh, a John Birch Rickenbacker bass again, like the, f- the first one I had, which will cost me an arm and a leg. But I just hate the young me
0: that was stupid enough to sell it. Mm, yeah. So. I mean, I'll, I'll, admit, I'll admit to you guys right now that if, if, I, if I ever make a lot of money um, and I can afford to spend... Casually, you know, six grand on another tuba. I tell you, I'm doing it. I'll never uh, this one I've got, and I'm holding it behind me now. I'll always have this one. But if I had more money, I would have many more. Don't worry. I'm I am basically the same. I have your problem.
1: I'm hearing here a basic personality type, which our tuba players (laughs) are fundamentally monogamous. (laughs) Guitarists are fundamentally
0: promiscuous. Oh no, I want loads of the buggers. (laughs) I want loads of them. Entry for this week's songs in the mix is steeped in thoughts about where we, the long road, have been artistically for the last year or so, or last few years, I suppose, uh, and where we're heading next. So I'm going to hand right over to Steve.
1: Over the last few weeks, I've been looking and playing with the various songs that might end up on our recordings, which are scheduled for November. And all of a sudden, November doesn't seem very long away. principally because uh, Kev's going to be on the road, literally on the road, on his feet, walking along the great Camino Trail towards the uh, tomb and resting place of uh, St. James, I believe, Uh, though my old friend uh, Jason Webster has suggested, and he's a great scholar, so presumably he should know that, in fact... The body buried there is a Moorish intellectual from a previous century, but you know who am I to undo the hopes of millions of good people um anyway kev's there, so that's october that's october gone, so that in my calculation means we've got two weeks to kind of nail what we're gonna do in november and and a lot of um a lot riding on it, a lot of uh faith in what we're going to do in, in, in November. And what's interesting is we're doing that at the same time as uh, we're wrapping up the, the American Wilderness Project, uh, which is, you know, 15 songs released over just over a year exploring the, the moonshine myth and madness of, of America. And it's been interesting thinking about that ending and something beginning, because, you know, what is the beginning and where we're going? I love the way we've done American Wilders as a total of these four CDs uh, over a period of time, almost like chapters of a book or episodes or uh, of, of a series. Uh, my heart is in the idea of doing something similar again. But the question is is what and how? And to that, I think I've got to circle back or I've been circling back onto why I write songs in the first place. And then for me, ever since I was about 16, they're my go-to place when I'm trying to make sense of the world. Uh, and, And that early discovery that I made, no matter how dark the song, it always gives you hope, at least in the recognition of the shared feelings and emotions that you've got with at least one other person. Songwriting to me is, is a craft and a therapy and I guess a way of expressing sometimes the things that I find impossible to express in any other way. I had so much learning on this journey of, of American wilderness that, you know, and, and, and so much rich experience that keeping down the road of, that we're on seems to be the most sensible thing and, and the most exciting thing. There's a number of reasons for that. I mean, one is the deep love I have for the whole business of America and my times there which have been some of the most intense and profound experiences of my life ever since I was 21 years old and got a one-way ticket to Atlanta with the ambition of getting to California. But also I think America and Americana, it's like the choice you make as an artist, whether you're gonna paint in acrylic or or, uh, charcoal or oil or watercolor or or use clay or or, or steel or iron or, or whatever you use. It's a marvelous material, rich in possibility. And then there's something about the American myth which makes it easier for me anyway, to tackle the things I find important. The dilemmas of life seem to be drawn in very clear lines in the American dream. Should I stay or should I go? What is right or wrong? Where does my responsibility end? In this world, what is true? How does love happen? It's a fantastic, powerful canvas to work with, and I'm thinking maybe you know, been chatting with Chris uh, and Kev about this. Maybe our theme is is the crossroads. Down at the crossroads, the crossroads of. Go back into the beginnings of time, wherever people had two ways to go, they were at a crossroads. They had a choice. They were making a decision that could could change everything. It's the place where the devil was supposed to hang out, where they hung highwaymen in chains. In Ireland, it was where you could dance on the boundaries between one parish and another. And I don't think we're not writing a concept. This is not a concept idea. It's more like a reference point to know where we're going and what we're doing on what we're thinking about. It's early days, but I thought I'd share that with you now. And, and, and I think it could be another great journey. I'm very excited about it. The song I'm going to play this afternoon is very much in that spirit. And also kept going back to that idea of trying to capture the inarticulate <laughs> feelings I sometimes have. You know, nailing the fragile enigmatic moment of those times when you, when you sense something powerful but you can't say what it is and you can't tie it to anything concrete but this is a song about freedom called Something's Got to Change Hear the tales from the wood Told by a man Who's no better than The sign up in the sky, aye, aye. ridden by a girl who believes she could fly free. Lover and thief, the riders on a range, dead eyeballs are singing, something's got a change. The devil's in the detail Grabbed you by the throat Devils in the detail grabbed you by the throat. That I was a singing, something's gotta change. Freedom's just a faded line on a promissory note. Devils in the details grabbed you by the throat.
2: everyone, and welcome to Kev's Café Corner. As I uh, mentioned last week, I'm probably going to take a bit of a break from the actual cafes around the world at the moment and just invite you into my virtual one here. And I had an idea last week, born out of the story that I told you about Amoeba Records in San Francisco, and I thought it was perhaps a good time to maybe do a short series on record shops around the world that I have frequented, because they're an important meeting place for music enthusiasts. They're certainly an important outlet for us musicians to sell our wares. And um, they're just magical places, really. And they were on their way out to a certain extent, but I think with the resurgence in the interest of vinyl, there's been a resurgence in record shops perhaps not in a corporate way, which is perhaps a good thing, but more in a sort of cottage industry kind of way. And and really run, opened and run by music lovers, record enthusiasts, and they're the people to run them, really. And I think today I'm going to talk just briefly about a shop called White Rabbit Records in Shrewsbury. Now, I've never actually visited the shop itself, but I have purchased from there... Uh, They've got a very cool logo, by the way. It's kind of a a play on the old Stacks logo, but with like rabbit ears instead of, you know what I mean. Anyway, I was uh, introduced to this shop on Facebook by a mutual friend, Marcus Galley, who's the son of uh, Mel Galley from Trapeze, who's one of my favourite guitarists of all time. And um, it looked like they were a pretty decent outfit, so um, there was a discussion... I think, about some of the stock they had in store and he was mentioning an album called Bumpers. Now, back in the early 70s, when I used to go and stay with family friends down in Bournemouth, I would peruse the second-hand shops and what have you and I got hold of a copy of this album called Bumpers. It's very distinctive, sort of pop art, yellow, with a pair of sort of cartoon sneakers on the on the front bumpers as they were called then uh, in yellow and red and it's an island compilation double vinyl album and i had this in my collection as a as a young teenager for a long time and it introduced me to so many artists uh, some i was familiar with such as free um cat stevens traffic but it was the very first place i heard one of my heroes now I'm happy to call a friend, Jess Roden, with a band called Bronco. It also had some early Jethro Tull, Mott the Hoople, pre-hits, Dave Mason, Jimmy Cliff, Fotheringay. It was just an absolute cornucopia of superb music, as you'd expect from the Ireland label. And I spoke to the guy at White Rabbit Records and he indeed had a copy of this double album on vinyl. Mine had gone missing in the mists of time years ago. And he assured me it was in really good condition, which, you know, they usually always do. But it arrived at my house in Spain and it really was in superb condition. It's like new. And to have that back in my possession It's hard to describe the emotions you feel. There's something different about handling a vinyl album and the, the large sleeve, the gatefold sleeve, as you open this one, for example. There's the fabulous picture collage of all the bands and all the information and you sit and read it and play the albums. It's, it's a magical thing. And I felt in that moment that the shop had given me back something of my youth which is beyond compare, really. So I urge you to keep your local record shops alive. There are some beautiful treasures waiting to be discovered. And indeed, if you're anywhere near Shrewsbury, check out White Rabbit Records, because they've got some beautiful stuff in there. So that's it for this week, listeners. Uh, Join me next week in my virtual cafe, and we'll talk about another record shop and a little treasure that I discovered there. Take care.
0: It will be a brave new world out there once all this COVID stuff settles down. Uh, Perhaps people will be a little clearer as to what they truly value and how that comes about. Artists being sort of sacrificed on the altar of Spotify, meaning that local record stores, you know, suffer, uh, as do the artists, as the royalties from Spotify for most are, you know, laughable. Um, You know, the system has to change. I would love to see a a really strong ecosystem of record stores that nurture great connections with audiences uh, and artists. You know, similar to how, I don't know, independent cinemas have a a different experience with perhaps smaller independent films compared to, you know, the big multinational cinema chains and and their relationship to blockbuster films. You know, we're always going to have the Taylor Swifts and the Lady Gaga's and the you know, the K-pop sensations. Ultimately, and perhaps this is the cynic in me talking me, but I think it's true, they make big bucks for somebody somewhere along the line. Um, you know, much like the Hollywood blockbuster system. Hollywood blockbuster might cost $100 million to make, but they make half a billion dollars back. Some would say that's just economics. But we do need the small fish as well. You know, the artisans, the handcrafters. Um, real stories with real connections. I'm certain that independent record stores, physical and virtue, will be vital to this future looming, hopefully, ecosystem. This week on the Bishop's Daily Bread, I'm going to bring the baking out from behind the allegorical curtain um, as I have done on a few occasions in the past and sort of just lay things bare. Um, you know, the metaphor of my baking adventures and misadventures is often just that, a metaphor. Perhaps the, the Daily Bread theme is really about doing the things daily or regularly at least that keep your spirit alive, that keep you ticking over, that keep the lights on in your brain. One of the things that I've missed terribly during this COVID-19 period has been my prison work. Uh, I think I've mentioned it here in passing in the past, uh, but recently I was a guest on my friend Tom's podcast. The podcast is called Performative, uh, Tom Morgan and his pal Chris Pot started this podcast during lockdown and have covered a range of arts topics so far. Speaking to various people with different roles in the industry, and um, you know, have a look for the podcast yourself. Uh, Facebook and Twitter, their username is Performative Pod or one word. On Instagram, they are Performative underscore Pod. Check it out; it's got some really great guests on it. If you do so myself, um, and some really interesting topics discussed. Anyway, so Tom and Chris. ...asked me about my prison work and little did they know... ...if someone gives me even a millimetre to talk about this topic... ...I will take a mile, quite happily. So the the episode went out on the 16th of September 2020... ...so check it out to hear me talk about many different sides of my prison work... um, ...you know, the challenges, some of the people me and my colleague have met over the years... ...you know, how it works on a practical level... ...but I suppose the thing that doing that podcast has got me thinking about... ...and it chimes with much thinking and planning being done throughout lockdown is working out what you really want to do with your time on this planet, how you help others, you know, level up the world, how you can keep yourself entertained and fulfilled, and how you can manage to do all that whilst not burning out and being able to pay the rent. And for me, actually, my twice-weekly sessions in Thorncross Prison for the last 15 years or so, well, up until March, and thanks, COVID, uh, you know, they were integral to my well-being, funnily enough. Part of me is totally wired to working out how to best help the men we meet in the, the course of that project. The overarching conclusion I came to in the course of the performative podcast recording, having not been running a prison session for six months and then being asked about it and my brain really, really wanting to talk about and think about it, um, you know, roll around in that particular puddle like a gleeful three year old, um, was that the, the things that the arts can do in all its forms is bring hope. Hope for prisoners who will get out of prison uh, and want to be a productive part of society, uh, and we need them to be a productive part of society. Hope for artists trying to work out how to express their art, you know, through music, theatre, visual art, dance, whatever it is. Uh, I think hope is the key. Hope that for marginalised groups of people it gets better. Together we can make it better. Hope for those in need of help that... People care. Kindness is everywhere, despite what a lot of media focuses on. Um, Hope for those who are currently in the dark, for whatever reason, you know, a a bad day, a rough week, a, a poor deal of the cards, a troubled few years in their life, that light can be found at the end of the tunnel. And the arts can be the light, or the arts can be what strengthens that light, gives it power to grow and get brighter. Hope is what humanity always needs to move forward Uh, and we have to work together to make sure that hope is a reality for everyone. Now to crash back to earth with some baking news, at about 10am this morning I put the dough together for a a loaf of granary bread uh, and put it in a bowl on the windowsill to prove for an hour. And now it's approximately eight hours later. Oops, completely forgotten about it. Um, And I fear the the downstairs of my flat will once and truly have been taken over by that doe monster from that film Sleeper. You know, I'd better grab my broom and start to tackle the beast. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening wherever in the world you are. Subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. The next episode will be out next Friday. Don't forget to join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash thevagabondway. You can find us on Facebook as well, The Vagabond Way, Steve Bottom of the Long Road, just look for that. All of our music's on Spotify and Apple Music, go and have a listen. Give us a follow if you like what you hear, share it with your pals who might like it as well. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Big thank you to our Patreons and a special shout out to Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Yvette Lydon and Trish Taylor. Thank you for your support. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there, you to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of the things that we make. So, become a Vagabonder. That's our name for our supporters on Patreon. To help us create live performances, books and short stories, this weekly podcast, our YouTube show, and some new things we are cooking up. As a Vagabonder, you can get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive Patreon-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive live-stream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within. Patreon.com slash The Vagabond Way. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with the long road. Bye for now.